Are you ready to get your sports banter on? Brian Hemminger, love child of Albert Einstein and Howard Cosell, with a body chiseled by Zeus himself. Brandon Sharples, a man who could beat Mike Tyson. In a spelling bee, together they form the At Odds Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the At Odds Podcast, brought to you remotely tonight because Blog Talk Radio was fucking up. So, <laughs> Brandon Sharples and I are recording it off stream, uh, and then we will be uploading tonight's episode uh, a little bit later. So, no chat room, no phone calls tonight, but I hope you can still deal with it because we're going to be bringing the heat with some excellent topics for discussion. So I'm your host, Brian Hemminger, and joining me as always, silky smooth Brandon Sharples. So Brandon, how you doing tonight, man? Pretty good, man. I'm super pumped for this episode. Uh, you know, it does suck we're offline, but I still think we got some really cool content and I got some pretty cool ideas and I know you do as well. So I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, to bring the heat like you said, buddy. Well, it's a blazing let, yeah. sauce. Let's kick it off with the the big thing that seems like everybody's talking about today, XFL is returning. Like WWE's yeah. been kind of hinting at it for a while, and I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was a joke. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I I kept hearing stuff about you know their uh, trademarking XFL again, and I was like, what are they doing? It failed so hard last time. Why why would they be doing this? Like, and then boom, big announcement today. You know, they're knew, launching it 2020. XFL is going to be back. So I got to get your thoughts. Vince McMahon's alternative football is returning in two years. So yeah. what All went through right. your brain when you heard this announcement? Uh, I kind of knew it was coming. I heard through the rumblings that it was coming. I love the idea. I think it's fucking genius. The reason being is that. The NFL is still the NFL, still the powerful. This isn't going to overtake the NFL. What is going to, what it's going to do is give an alternative to the NFL that nobody wanted back then because the NFL is so strong, but they kind of want it now because one, Goodell's pussified the NFL. There's all these rules and people are getting tired of targeting hit this, targeting that, quarterback can't be touched, you know, flags here, flags there. On top of everybody kneeling for the national anthem, a lot of the football, you know, the, the big football bases are conservative and they don't want to deal with that shit. And they, they have a problem with people kneeling for the national anthem. Whether I agree with that, whether you agree with that doesn't matter. You got to talk about, we're talking about the large base of the NFL. So ratings definitely dipped hardcore this year. Were they breaking the NFL's bank? No, but that it, it cannot follow that trend. And I think that is why McMahon is, he's such a, business savvy guy saw that and he's like we're not going to replace the nfl right now but maybe we could get an alternative in there and something that would be exciting so he brought it out he he's bringing back the xfl and i have a bunch of ideas about it um i think i want to hear your thoughts on it before i go into my ideas about it but i think there's a large market out there and i think that it has so much potential more than ever 
It has more potential now than ever before with the way the internet is and the way that the NFL is kind of limping out of the end of the off season right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, I love the Patriots, but a lot of people are kind of sick of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl all the time. They feel like there's not enough parody, um, diva athletes and, um, a lot of shit's going on right now with, with pro sports. And I, I, this couldn't be a more perfect time for XFL to come. So I'm excited about it. What do you think? I'm intrigued. I don't know if they'll be able to pull it off because last time was such a miserable failure. But I mean, and, and the pro- other problem is they are bringing back the, literally the exact same name of the brand that just had huge marketing and everybody tuned in to watch it. And then they went, Oh, this is just like watching worse NFL. And then Hold they on, stopped I w- watching. I do have to say this real quick, yeah. not, not to cut you off, but they they did say that they're going to bring a more um, established rules and everything. They're trying to make this more legit than the yeah. last time. Last time was more gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Now they're trying to make it more of a legit league, yeah. which Part definitely of it, yeah. can bring it. So the fact that they're doing it in 2020, announcing it a couple years in advance to really refine it and work on it, is is probably a good idea. But who knows? You know, in two years, the NFL could be back and you know super strong um but i was interested in the fact that uh they want nothing to do with the politicization of players they want nothing to do with players that uh get in trouble with the law like even if you get a dui they said they don't want you in their league (laughs) yeah uh, that means uh, no johnny manzel (laughs) yeah i think they'll make an exception you you think (laughs) i'll talk about that in a little bit okay but i think I, i do think that uh uh, what they're doing there, they're banking on the ratings to continue to decline for the NFL. And that's, that's part of the two year wait. Plus they're trying to refine it, like you said, and get everything pro- perfect and silky smooth. <laughs> and they, you know, they're trying to make shit going, they're trying to get shit going in the right direction. And I think, uh, they rushed the XFL before from what I've read. Oh yeah. I mean, they definitely rushed the XFL. I mean, I thought it was literally going to be like, WWE meets NFL and like it was just going to be nothing but insane crazy hits and then cheerleaders that are basically strippers and and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was all pumped about it and then it was like such a letdown when you, when you yeah. finally got to it with the way that they marketed it before. But if they market it like legitimately that this is just off-season NFL then they they might be able to pull it off. But we'll see. I mean, they're still a long road ahead, um, and they've got a lot of hurdles, I think. But, I mean, they're, I'm not going to lie. There are definitely those people that were turned off from the NFL. I mean, literally from back home or just in Wyandotte County where I'm at right now, I I know more than 10 people that stopped watching the NFL this year that were big fans because of all the, the kneeling during the national anthem, but they took such offense to that. Uh, a yeah. lot of Trump voters that were really pissed off. So <laughs> I mean, those could be the market that if they choose to, especially if they really promote that you have to stand during the national anthem uh, or you're out of the league, then that could be something that could, intrigue those people okay what's more american than wrestling and these people own wrestling and they're probably going to cater to a lot of you know a lot of the people 
that are going to be initially in, intrigued with the XFL are going to be NFL fans and WWE fans. And they're all the most American you can get, like as far as their patriotic, you know, views on standing and all that other jazz and beer and <laughs> wings and shit, you know? So, you know, you got the, you got the, you got the core, the core base. And I think that if you can build on that and bring some people over with a good product, I think it can succeed for at least a while. So you mentioned that you had some ideas for them. Like, okay. actually, I want to hear some of these that you think that could make the XFL work because I want to know what these ideas are. Okay. All right. Here's my ideas. Uh, they need to have the season run during the summer. Mm-hmm. The reason being is that you're not going to compete with anything other than maybe the NBA playoffs. And, uh, that's only running into June and Major League Baseball, which outside of the All-Star game, there's really nothing to compete with during baseball. It's a 162 game season. Even the average fan, average fan's not going to give a shit. They're not, you know, you're not going to be cutting into baseball time when you're watching the XFL. And, you know, only the diehard, like, Cubs and Yankees fans that never miss a game, even you with the Indians, you may, you may split screen an Indians game and an XFL game. You never know. But, but, you know, outside of maybe the Olympic years, there's nothing that's continuously running that's going to, going to affect the ratings. If you're looking for the best place to fit, that's the best place to fit. So run it during the summer. And that's one. Two, you need to market these teams in, in cities that are, they, they want NFL, they wanted a, not just an NFL, but like a, a, a pro franchise, but they don't have one. Or maybe they have just one. Like Memphis. Memphis has the Grizzlies, but they don't really have anything else. You know what I mean? They get me, I, I don't, do they have an arena league? I'm not sure. Yeah, they but probably they, do. But. They probably do, but that doesn't mean shit. This is different. This is a higher scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So teams like Memphis and they had a Birmingham team and I think that's perfect because you're getting the Bama guys down there. Um, you know, you can go into like Charlotte, stuff like that where they have an NBA team, but they don't have an NFL team. You got to find places that don't have NFL teams. Like don't be, don't be going into LA and New York and you know, stuff like that. Stay in the decent sized markets like Orlando. You know, in places like that, Savannah, Georgia, maybe even it's kind of small, but you know, you get my point, right? Mm-hmm. You can get, you can, and uh, I think that you should, you should try to market those places, and that's, and that's one, that's another thing that I have. Uh, three, I think that they should market um, allowing kids to come straight out of high school into that, into playing there, maybe or. Or you can establish maybe like a one year thing. After one year in college, out one year post graduation high school, you can offer these kids contracts, and you offer them a hundred a hundred thousand dollar contracts or twenty five thousand dollar contracts, fifty thousand dollar contracts. You know, based on um, you know what they bring, but you have it incentive based. So like um, you know, it's kind of like those loaded incentive contracts these big stars get, but each play every single player gets it. So you make a certain amount of tackles. You get paid per, basically you get paid per play. And you start, you create like a different kind of pay system to these guys. So the more they produce, the more money they make. So that means these guys are going to be working harder and harder. And, and like I said, you make it almost like, you can almost make it like a D league for the NFL. NFL, you should be having a partnership with the NFL to be able to draft from it. You know what I mean? Or, um, these guys can try and go on a free, j- free agents into the NFL later. So, but, but I like the idea of, uh, allowing the younger guys to come in there and, and earn money and earn likeness on their name 
and maybe that would be their avenue to get into the NFL, not just college football. It may it may hurt college football at first, but maybe not. You know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too concerned with that. College football will always have a will always have a, you know their players, and they'll always have an audience for it. But um, and plus, you're not going to have. I don't know if you're going to make the XFL a huge, like a 32 team league, like you did the NFL. You know, you probably just make it like a 10 team league, five on the west, five on the east type thing. You know, start off like that, maybe even 12 teams. You know, don't go, don't go too crazy with it at first. You know, just because you're, you don't want to spread yourself thin. But uh, that I like that idea of of uh, paying per like stat line, like having like a, a pay scale to pay these guys. So like, say you. You're the starting quarterback and you, and you win the championship. You know, you, you have an incentive because you're going to get paid such and such amount. You get paid per passing yard. You know, you get paid per rushing yard, per, per reception, stuff like that. I think that'd be super cool. And then, um, I think you need to go after, I, I know that you said that they didn't want any like the DUI guys or anything, but I think you need to go after like marketable ex college stars as well, like Johnny Manziel or, Vince Young's a little old now, but somebody like Vince Young, you know what I mean? Um, looking at like past Heisman winners that haven't really done a whole lot in the NFL, maybe they could go to the XFL for a little bit of money that are out of the NFL now or people that are kind of, you can bring a lot of big name guys that are kind of winding down their career. Maybe they can finish it out in the XFL. Things like that. You can have a wide range of people. So you're going to have that name recognition. And you're gonna have that new pay scale. You're gonna have uh, in hungry cities hungry for their pro sports, um, and you know you're gonna have um, you're gonna have the ratings. I personally think with those names and everything like that. So that's what you need. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, yeah, I, like, that's my- I can tell you right now, I really like the idea of allowing players to go straight out of high school as just an alternative. Like if you know kids are like you know fuck school, I want to play yeah. ball. Um, yeah. like, like, uh, Cardale Jones, you know, I, I came, I didn't come here to go for any learning. <laughs> you know, he says, um, I didn't come here to play no school. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you get those players. That's great. I mean, cause there are players like that, that just literally could give two shits about their education. They just want to play. So yeah. those could definitely be, uh, an alternative for, um, and I can answer a couple of those questions or ideas you had. I know that, um, that they were thinking of an eight to 10 team league to start. So that's, that's part of their idea to start. They don't want to, you know, go too crazy with too many teams. And I know that they were planning to have their season start either in January or February, but I think, yeah, February would be perfect because it, you know, Super Bowl's over, football's over, you know, nobody watches the Pro Bowl. So this, the season ends at the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, why not get right back into football again? I mean, there's literally yeah. a seven month break from January until September or August again. Yeah. So, I mean, the only reason I was saying summer is just because the weather mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I don't know. I you know I don't know. Maybe they'll just start building domes and shit. I have no idea. But mm-hmm. I thought the weather would be a little bit nicer. You get people like out outside watching the games, like you yeah. know. You get that little bit of break. You get the NFL draft. You get the combine out of the way and. Then you just go from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if they started in late February, they could probably make it work in not domed areas. But I mean, it's still it'd be it'd be interesting. So yeah, but yeah, th- that's but, a couple of the things that they mentioned. Uh, 
I don't think that they're going to have the nicknames on the back like they had before. Remember, he hate me. Yeah, keep 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 the gimmick keep shit the out of there. Yeah. Um, WWE's not like associated with this now. It's more, you know, Vince McMahon just sold a bunch of shares of WWE so that he could just fund this as a side project. And he's supposed yeah. to be bringing in some football like people that know what they're doing this time instead of just and so yeah I, I'm intrigued I'll admit I'm intrigued I'm, I'm I think that you know Vince McMahon's a competitive person and it really pissed him off that he failed the last time he tried this so he wants to do it again and do it right so we'll see if he can do it but I think you know the demand is there I mean people are literally like turning the NFL draft into a primetime event with millions upon millions upon millions of people just watching dudes get their names called. Yeah, because people so, are so like cracked out so hungry button. for it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you got any more of them footballs? So yeah, <laughs> I think that there is definitely an, uh, an avenue there. And yeah. there's, there's going to be athletes. I mean, there's so like, it's so competitive to make those final rosters in the NFL. There's going to be players that are uh willing to to go give it a shot to make a name for themselves. I mean, you saw, you know, Tommy Maddox actually had an NFL career because of his XFL championship. Yeah. So, um there's going to be possibilities for guys uh to earn an opportunity in the NFL if they want to through the XFL. I mean, as long as they're not marketing it as an alternative of to the NFL. It, instead of if, if they do it off-season NFL that's their best way to do it. Yeah. No, and I agree. That's what, that's, that was my point. Yeah. And they can even, if they want to get a little gimmicky without getting corny, they can even find like studs from like other countries that are like gigantic Samoans or like big ass Germans. Like, and they'll be like, Oh, the big German with the sack and you know, all like shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some stuff that they could make it go international with like the, the locations. Yeah, they can, they can, dude, London loves football, like Europe like loves streamline football. Streamline the rules a little bit, like, so that, you know, a lot of people, like, that get turned off by all the ridiculous amount of rules. But we'll see what they, what they end up doing. Oh, yeah, like, go over to London. Oh, he ran for 32 meters. <laughs> 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 what a run. <laughs> so, okay. Anything else you got about XFL before we, uh, roll on to the next topic? Um, what do you think would be like, uh, your ideal location for, you know what I, they should do? I they do. should fucking, they should move Cleveland Browns to the XFL. <laughs> Maybe they'll fucking win a game. I don't think they'd win there either. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I think Vegas, they had a team in Vegas before. I think that would always be success because they're a craving sports franchises. I know that they're. Las Vegas uh, hockey team's doing really well with uh, the yeah. Fan well, they got right the, they got the Raiders so, moving to Las Vegas. Yeah, I know, but I mean, they're still not going to be there right away. I think it's still yeah. a year or two away. So those people are hungry for football. So yeah, I say you know, Vegas would be a good option. Um, I'd say places like you know maybe Cincinnati that has a baseball team and is a pretty big city would be a good option. Just stuff like that. I mean, there's plenty of places. Did you forget they had the Bengals because they're so fucking irrelevant too? <laughs> I, I did. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> they do got an NFL team. They just don't ever win anything. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking they didn't have an NFL. I was thinking Reds, and then I completely forgot they had the fucking Bengals. 
Oh well, fuck you, Bengals. Uh, okay, that one's gonna make the all-time highlight list. Forgetting <laughs> that the Bengals existed because they sucked so bad this year. Oh man, and then they brought back Marvin Lewis. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, what the hell were they thinking? Oh my god, I'm uh, so sick. I, you know what? This is. Uh, let's go a little off off our what we thought we were gonna do. Just real quick. Okay. I don't like. How this is sports in general, but specifically the NFL. How it's such a fraternity of guys just hiring their buddies, and that's all it is. They're just giving their buddies million dollar jobs. You got so many failed coaches that were just garbage, and they just oh well, he's fired. He's probably just gonna go be a defensive coordinator for that shitty team. It's like okay, how about the fact that the dude's been fired two fucking times, three times, four times? It's time for somebody else to get an opportunity from the outside. It's just that what happens is these guys have just all grown grown with each other, and they just start hiring each other. And they're always like, oh, he's a great football mind. He's got to be. He's my buddy, and we 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 have the same habits. And that's why you get, like, shitty guys that just, that just constantly get hired on a regular basis, and it blows my mind. There's certain coaches that just keep getting hired based off who they know. And I know that's how it is for every job pretty much in the entire world. I just wish that it would be a little bit different for professional sports and we can get some some different guys in there, you know, just to, to get, give more guys an opportunity to go see what they can do because there's offensive and defensive minds all over this world. You know what I mean? Why do you have to keep hiring the same dickweeds over and over and again that keep getting fired from fuckville? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? Oh, I'm completely with you. I, I still remember, um, Mike Pettin with the Browns when he got hired. I mean, he, it came out of nowhere. Like he wasn't expected to be their head coach, but when he brought over Jim O'Neill, like a guy that absolutely did not deserve to be a, a defensive coordinator because he was his friend. Um, yeah. Jim O'Neill was hot garbage. Um, and, like literally the Browns defense was atrocious for all the seasons. Even though Mike Pettin was a defensive coach, like this guy was so bad, um, that he, uh, and then what was hilarious was we played the 49ers that year, the one year and the Browns defense got like eight sacks against Blaine Gabbert and the 49ers hired Jim O'Neill as their defensive coordinator because of that. <laughs> yeah. And then he went yeah. and flamed out in, uh, San Francisco too. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought that guy was hot garbage and he was literally only got the Browns job because he was Mike Pettin's friend. So it's just, so I, I know uh, what you mean. Another guy like, like, all right, so I'm a huge Florida Gators fan, obviously. And we hired Doug Nussmeyer as our offensive coordinator um, for the last three seasons until he just got shit canned with the rest of the losers that we just fired. Um, I looked back at his resume and, uh, he, okay, so he was Florida's offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. He was Michigan's offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Alabama's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, Washington's offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. Who else did he do that? He can't, oh, fuck, uh, fucking, uh, Fresno State. And then he had a couple, you know, he had like a stint in one time, one season, I think, with the Rams. Then he was at Michigan State. And then he had like, he had like some CFL shit going on. 
My point is, is that he had nothing. Everywhere he went, the offense went to shit. Yeah, he was getting these big name jobs and people, all these coaches are vouching for him as some like offensive genius. He had in 13 seasons, he only had four quarterbacks that threw over 3,000 yards. That's it. And like all of his, all of his quarterbacks were shit. Nobody was good. He, we, he came to Florida and we had like our worst stretch of quarterbacks ever. And that we were supposed to, he was supposed to be some offensive guru. And even like, like, um, when he was at the Rams, like all he had was Mark Bulger. You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's who he, that's who he, he tutored. Mark Bulger. That was his guy. And like he just never did shit. Uh, like when he was at Washington, like the only thing he had was Jake Locker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Locker. I mean, he just had like, he, I don't know. I just always saw that he just did not have, like, I thought that Bama's offenses were playing under him and Michigan's offense went to shit when he was there. And then we hire him as our offensive coordinator when our offense was at its worst. So I was, I was not happy about that. And that was just another one of those things I always used to say, like, hey, it's just another fraternity of guys hiring their buddies because McElwain, uh, and Nussmeyer worked together at Fresno and Michigan, or Fresno and Flo- Alabama and then Florida. And he, they knew each other for a while. And it was just like one of those things where like, I just didn't really, I just never understood that whole shit with the, these guys that's hiring their buddies, even though they're trash. I don't know. I would love to be a GM and just hire a fresh new coaching staff. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, you don't so. you don't hear enough of you know guys working their way up from you know the high school to college to NFL type of thing. It's yeah. always you know some guys some protege as a as a football or quarterbacks coach, and then he gets promoted to offensive line coach, and then he gets promoted to coordinator, and then head coach somewhere. I mean. That's usually the way it rolls, and yeah, like last the only the big name I can think of that came from college or from high school to college was Gus Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. He he uh, he had he coached at really tough. I think it was Springboro, Arkansas. I think it was, but he coached a high, a powerhouse out of Arkansas, which had like Mitch Mustaine as their quarterback. And he was, uh, I don't know if you remember him. He was one of the, he was like the number one overall recruit. He was like one of the, the highest rated passers ever to get recruited out of high school. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to USC and then came to Arkansas and he was mediocre. Well, he went to Arkansas and then USC. He's kind of mediocre, never had an NFL career or anything, but he was, he's one of those guys that were like the one, he was one of the highest rated quarterbacks of all time coming out of high school. And that's who Malzahn had. And Malzahn ended up being, I think he was like the offensive coordinator at Arkansas and moved on to like Auburn and shit. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, it was one of those situations. But yeah, uh, he was one of the, one of the, you know, few guys that came from high school. And I think Doug Peterson, the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles was coaching high school football like 10 years ago. Like that, or that soon. Mm-hmm. So there are guys that move up, but it's very fucking rare. Yeah. And Doug Peterson was a quarterback in the NFL. So it was like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, he knew people. Yep. More of the old boys club. <laughs> yeah. The old boys club, man. But, all right, yeah, yeah. Let's get back on, uh, what do you want to talk about? The betting thing going on with the oh, NBA? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, next up, NBA, I mean, NBA is supportive of adding, uh, and legalizing betting. I mean, right now there's a bunch of lawsuits trying to challenge the United States position where, 
Uh, right now you can only do like sports betting at Vegas or in, uh, New Jersey. So they want to make it opened up like in like 18 different states are filing lawsuits trying to challenge this. And I think what NBA is doing is they're trying to get ahead of the curve because once it gets legalized, it's legalized and they want a piece. So they want to get like 1% of the betting action. Yeah. Which is an outrageous number because Vegas alone did four and a half billion last year. Mm -hmm. So that's just in Vegas alone. I think that's all betting, isn't it? Not just NBA. That was like all sports betting. Wasn't it? I think it, I'm not sure. I thought that was just NBA. Well, it could have been all sports betting, but it doesn't really matter because, um, it's only one, it's one city. Mm -hmm. You do this in all across the country. I bet you can get four, I bet you can get four and a half billion off NBA bets. Like I'll, I'll completely admit this was one of the things that I was actually cool about Trump being president was his stance on sports betting. Uh, you know, the fact that he used to own, uh, casinos and, um, he, he has been, you know, a factor in sports, uh, with, uh, the AFL or whatever that PFL, whatever league he used to have. Uh, and then, you know, he's been working with, uh, Dana White, with WWE, with all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I was all aboard the, hoping that they would, you know, go ahead with uh, some legalization of sports betting. Because you know what happens when you ban stuff? You let other people get rich. That's what happens. That's all you're doing. Uh, you're allowing uh, offshore sport-based uh, casinos or and sports gambling websites uh, to spring up and make a shit ton of money. Uh, all the poker websites, all the... The, the casino websites, all the sports gambling websites, those are the ones that are getting rich. I, I have made thousands of dollars sports betting. Yeah. Off, offshore. Yep. And I do it, you know, I, you know, obviously when I have to cash my checks and I have to claim some of that, but, uh, there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. honestly. So. And, uh, yeah, everybody does it. They bodog, well, you're not bodog anymore, but Bovada and Sportsbook and all those and guys. Five they, times they, and. You name it. I mean, there are a ridiculous amount of online sports gambling websites. Mm-hmm. And so this is, and all those sites are raking it in right now. I mean, it's just like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, how the cartels are getting fucking a shit ton of money from marijuana not being legalized in half the states. So. Well, that's what they like do. That. When you, le- when you legalize stuff like that, you kind of, you're not going to kill crime. You're never going to kill crime, but I think you, you would definitely see. You take a uh, chunk out of it. You take a chunk out, out of it. Out of, you cut out one of, of its legs off. So yeah. that's exactly what they should do. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, the only thing that people should be concerned about is clearly, you know, pro players gambling and, and throwing games and stuff. But you know what? It's so obvious when that shit is actually happening. I can tell you right now, uh, in the UFC, they had one fight where a guy got offered to throw a fight and in the past 10 years, uh, and the sports books went nuts. It, and I'll tell you, it was a preliminary card fight in Korea. Uh, and it, the guy's name was, I think, uh, Taehyun Bang. And he was facing a guy named Leo Kuntz. <laughs> like they were complete garbage fighters, but Kuntz was awful. It literally, his name looked like Leo Kuntz. It's K-U-N-T-Z. <laughs> 
and uh, and I, I Little thought this that cunt. yeah, so bang cunts. <laughs> I like the bang so, cunts. And I, 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 you know, breaking down the fight, I was working on the on that with Nick, and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, you know, bang is so much better than this guy. I mean, he should be destroying him. And then the betting line all of a sudden completely shifted, and all of a sudden. Cunts. I'm just going to call them cunts because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, cunts <laughs> went to a, from like a huge f- underdog to a monster favorite. And all of a sudden, Bang was like plus 250. You put 100 on him, you'd get back 250 in profit plus your 100 back yeah. if he won. So yeah. clearly something was up. Like everybody was talking about it on Twitter. Um, so, and then a year later, you, we discover that he, uh, what happened was, UFC immediately became alerted to the shift in the betting limits and they had a talk with Bang about throwing the fight. And if anything like that happened, he was going to be fucked. Um, so he'd better go out and fight like he means it. And you know what? He went out and he won the fight and all the people like in the Korean mafia and shit that had paid him off, they all got fucked. <laughs> all the money. And I bet Bang because I was like, no one in the fucking planet, not even like my 80-year-old grandpa, should be a plus 250 underdog to Leo Cunts because this guy is so bad. <laughs> so, so I bet Bang at those odds and I won. <laughs> Dude, that's um, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so so there are already safeguards. Like you can tell if something shady's happening. And that's great. So I think that they, it'll be fine. I mean, there well, already you know, are, all, there's, already, there's already, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. There's already like fantasy football going on. There's players in leagues and they're like, you know what? I just scored a guy scored. I scored three touchdowns today. I cost myself the championship, but you, who cares? You're yeah, paid yeah, enough money that it's dude, not a honestly, big deal. There's enough underground casinos. There's enough underground sports betting, offshore sports betting. People are still going to be doing the same shit. They're still throwing games now if they were ever throwing games before. And they're still Vegas to throw games for. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it will change anything as far as people throwing games. They're, they're already going to throw games. If anything, it's easier to throw games now because you know he's going to recognize it. Because you know what I mean? They're not really thinking about it. Well, they do recognize it. No, I didn't mean to recognize it. Like, example, I guess it's obvious if something is up. Yeah. So they do recognize it. That's why I'm saying is, I mean, and then you can, uh, with, with the way that the lines shift so quickly when people are betting online, like the, the sports books immediately will change and flip lines if a shit ton of money comes in one side. So that red flags just start popping up everywhere. So it is obvious when something's up. Like there was like something, in some random ass, uh, tennis match, like eight years ago, like in the round of like a hundred and twenty eight, uh, in some big tennis tournament between two guys that nobody could give two fucks about. And all of a sudden a shit ton of betting action came in on that one specific fight for one guy. Something was up. So, uh, they're able to tell. When things like this happen. So it, I don't think it'll be a problem at all. Yeah. And you know what I like? Um, well, it's kind of an idea that I think it's already been kind of brought up. It's, an, it's actually something I thought of. And then I read, I was like, yeah, kind of right on par with what I was saying is they want to add like a tick, like betting ticket boost at the, at the venues. 
and like or like places you can place bets like you would at the track, but you can do it at the NBA stadiums and stuff like that. And I think that's that's genius because guess what? The NFL honestly needs to owe a lot of its growth to like fantasy football over the last like 20 years because you get players like women that don't give a fuck about the NFL, but they'll watch because they got a fantasy football team in their work league or with their boyfriend or so, you know what I mean? Like gambling in general, fantasy sports in general have grown the sport. I think if you start putting betting stations in, in these stadiums, I think you're going to be able to sell even more tickets and it's going to be a higher revenue for these, for the, for the, because you always lose. Because at the end of the day, the casinos are always ahead. So if you, if you, if the, these venues start acting as their own bookie, you know, they're like, they're their own, they're a bookie pretty much. You know what I mean? Like they're going to, they're going to drive revenue from, you know, people losing bets and they're going to get revenue from people coming to the stadium for, to gamble and watch the game. And they're going to get concessions and shit like that. I think it's going to be a big win for these guys. For anybody that owns these sports franchises, it's it's. I think it's a no brainer for them to want to push this through. Yeah, I mean, just think about you know the brackets that people do in the NCAA tournament. I mean, yeah, that's just sports betting has is always going to be there. So why not get a piece of it? Yeah, it's just smart. It's it's just smart business. Um, you're not going to stop people from betting. All you're going to do doing is leaving money on the table honestly so and and you make it harder for me <laughs> bro i will you know, fucking bet jump on through anything. fucking hoops to do it but we still yep. do it and i'll do it all the time i'll i will i will fucking my i will risk my money on these offshore accounts so i don't give a shit mm-hmm. dude i will gamble on anything i mean i will gamble on two fucking dollars fighting over a goddamn dead cat in yep. the middle of the road on which one will pull a leg off first. I will do this. I will bet on anything. I really will. So I'm all for gambling. I, I go for the big scores and everything. Hey, actually, let's each tell us, let's each tell a story of like, uh, about like a, a good, uh, win we've had or like, you know, something gambling that we've done that well, exceptional. I know you have one with that one, uh, undercard that you, that you, uh, or no, I, like, I've had a couple. I'll, I'll throw in the one, cause I think I already talked about the time I won over 10 G's. Um, I, but, yeah, but that's back in the day. Now we're actually talking about gambling. Yeah. No, I'm saying I, I mentioned that on another show, on another episode. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll throw in the other one. The time I won four grand. Um, it was a UFC fight night, Matt Brown against Eric Silva. And, um, I had picked four underdogs that I thought would win and, I did a parlay of them all, a round robin of them all together. So it was like six bets and they were all linked together. Six, six miniature parlays of two and they were all underdogs. So basically the way it works is if two of your underdogs win, you at least get your money back. Maybe you make a little bit profit. If three of your underdogs win, you make a lot like it. Uh, and if all four underdogs win then you go you know you go buy a new suit or a car or shit you know <laughs> yeah that's the way it works depending on how much you risked um so the way the night started first guy on my uh zach cummings i think withstands the early onslaught from this brazilian jiu-jitsu dude ends up beating his ass wins a decision uh darren crookshank ends up knocking out eric coke i think and then 
um, Neil Magny survives and wins a decision against somebody. So I'm three for three, and I'm over at Kevin Favreau's house, or no, Mike Favreau's house with Kevin, and we're all over there watching these fights, and I am like, the air is full of electricity, and <laughs> we're watching this fight, and Matt Brown is fighting Eric Silva in the main event in a welterweight fight, and I am literally screaming at the TV going, fuck him up, Matt Brown, fuck him up, kill that motherfucker, because <laughs> I wanted to win so bad, because uh, I think I had risked like $75 per parlay, um, and... Uh, if Brown won, I was going to win four four thousand bucks, um, <laughs> and it, so I was already guaranteed to win like a thousand. But it was an extra three grand if Brown wins, and you know Brown gets hit with some punches and he drops, and I'm like, "No, you motherfucker, get up, you fuck, you fuck!" I'm just screaming, and then <clears throat> Eric Silva starts to get tired because this guy—that's just who that guy is. He doesn't have good conditioning. And I'm like, he's fading. Get him. Sick him now, you fuck. Get him. Get him. <laughs> and, I, and literally, I almost knocked the TV over from, like, jumping up and down right in front of the TV. Favreau and both Favros are laughing their asses off. And then uh, Eric Silva finally gets knocked out into, like, the third round. And I'm just like, yeah! I just screamed. <laughs> and we ran over to uh, the happy hour, and I just bought everybody drinks i paid like scott avery's bar tab and that was just oh that's gotta be high <laughs> <laughs> fucking christ how many how many fruity ass drinks did that fucking guy drink that you had to pay for avery but, doesn't drink fruity drinks as far as i know he's well he's a fruity <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> but listen dude i'm telling you right now Sports gambling will turn you into the biggest fucking bigoted misogynist piece of shit. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, I will curse women. I will curse children. Oh, absolutely. Fucking piece of shit. Fucking Indian can't spell that goddamn word. I had a fucking hundred dollars on your ass to win the spelling bee. Did you know, like, the spelling bee? <laughs> nah, just fucking around. Oh, okay. Like, tell me, tell me how fucking funny that would be. <laughs> I tell bet me you how can. Funny that- Dude, I guarantee you can. I know you can bet on the spelling. There's people that will bet on fucking Little League World Series. But, no, nah, dude, like, I remember I just put, like, a, I think I put, like, $100 on, and I had a really bad day. And I literally had my last $6.30 on Sportsbook. And I was sitting in Brett Lobb's apartment. And it was a week – it was last year when Ohio State beat Nebraska really bad, like 59 nothing, something like that. Killed him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck this. We're sitting there. We're about to leave. We're drinking beer. And they're like, Jarples, let's go. And I'm like, I'm finishing my fucking parlay. Hold on. I made a 13-game parlay <laughs> that consisted of NBA mixed with college football and NFL. Mixed them all together. And by the end of the night, we come stumbling home drunk. And I'm like, holy fuck. I got a uh, 10 right. I was like, I got three NFL games tomorrow to go. And they're like, no shit. I was like, yeah. Well, I risked six dollars and thirty cents to win nineteen hundred and seventy-four dollars. That's all. That's 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 a huge return. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I honestly can't even remember what the other two NFL. Oh no, it was uh, I bet the Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions under. I bet the under, and they end up going. I think they went to overtime, or the Lions won on like a last-second pass, and it was like a. It ended up being like maybe. 13-10, something like that. You know what I mean? It was a really low-scoring game. I covered, like, nothing. But the Kansas City Chiefs 
were playing the Jags, and I bet straight up that the Chiefs would beat the Jags. Well, very late in the fourth quarter, I'm driving back from Columbus. I'm, I got, I'm sitting in the Beamer, and I got Dom, Dom Lohutsky next to me. And I'm like watching – I'm not even watching the game because I couldn't have a way to watch it. I was watching the game cast on ESPN, and fucking Jacksonville gets down to the one-yard line. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I knew it. I'm always one game fucking short on these big ass parlays. I can't tell you how many times I've I've missed winning twenty grand on one game. But was, I'm I'm not even making that up. I hit I hit like ten of twelve teams all the time, ten of eleven, you know, stuff like that. Well, I got pissed. Well, all of a sudden there's a huge delay, and I'm like, why is this play taking forever? All of a sudden it says Chris Ivory fumbles on the one yard line, recovered by the Chiefs. I was like. Fuck yes! I almost crashed the car. I was like, no fucking way. He fumbled on the one yard line and won me about $2,000 off of six bucks. <laughs> I was fucking pumped, dude. I was pumped. I get, I get back to, I get back to my house and I think, yeah, me and Bianca were still a thing at the time and she's pulling in with the kids and I get out of the car and I'm literally raising my hair, uh, hands in the air like I'm fucking Rocky and sh- this is how well my ex-wife knows me. She literally doesn't even have to ask me. She just goes, you won a big bet today, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, God damn right I did. I just, I go, I had my last six bucks on there and I won about roughly two thousand, one nine, $1,974 off of six dollars and thirty cents. I've had bigger wins. I've had uh, multiple bigger wins than my biggest win is 7,200, but um, that one stuck out to me because it was the most improbable three different sports thrown together in one parlay for a low ass amount of money. And I won that. That's a big return. So I'll never forget that. I swear. I'll never forget that bet. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one other one that stands out to me and it was the luckiest bet. Um, I did a parlay of John Moraga and Yoel Romero for a UFC event. Uh, Yoel Romero was fighting Derek Brunson and John Moraga, I think was fighting uh, Dustin Ortiz. And I thought both of those guys were going to absolutely steamroll their opponents. It was going to be the easiest parlay in the history of parlays because they're both favorites. And I bet, I think it was like an $800 parlay or something that I bet. Um, so I make that those plays and then, I watched the fights and John Moraga's fighting Dustin Ortiz and he's getting his ass kicked. Ortiz is getting takedowns. Ortiz is just outworking him. And I'm just throwing shit against the wall. Like, what are you doing? You're a huge favorite fight like one. And then they announced the judges scores and they gave him the win. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It was the worst judging. Um, I'm going to check something here quick. Uh, Uh, how the media scored there's a website called mma decisions that tracks like how other people score it yeah the media scores every single person scoring it in the media gave it to dustin ortiz but john moraga (laughs) won a split decision uh it was just you thought you lost didn't you of course i thought i lost and then yoel romero fights Derek brunson and yoel romero i mean he's going to be fighting for the middleweight title coming up and Brunson's headlining the card this Saturday. Um, So, I mean, they're both ended up being very good, but I thought Brunson was hot garbage at the time. And I thought Yoel Romero was 10 times better than Brunson. And this was going to be a cakewalk. 
Romero being a former, you know, silver medal winning Olympic wrestler and this elite athlete, he's knocking everybody out. And yeah. Brunson comes out and he starts whooping Romero's ass. Uh, he takes Romero down, puts him on his back repeatedly in the first two rounds. He's landing shots on the feet. Romero is like running scared. He's down two rounds to zero. He literally can only win now if he knocks Brunson out. And I am just so pissed. I already got insanely lucky on the first half of this parlay. And then all of a sudden, Brunson starts to get tired. And I'm like, oh, fucking kill him, Romero, please, please. I think Romero had <laughs> shit his pants during the fight at some point, too. Like, he had a brown spot on his fucking shorts. Uh, and then... Out of nowhere, Romero just blasts Brunson and he drops and then, uh, the ref jumps in and stops the fight. I'm just jumping around screaming because I had no business winning either leg of that parlay. It was a terrible parlay, but I still won it. So that was definitely one of my most improbable victories when I got a gift decision and a third round come from behind knockout. So, uh, that one felt pretty good, especially because I was bragging to my boss that how easy, how much easy money that was. And then afterwards I got to say, easy money, eh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he was so mad at me because I think he'd picked Ortiz to beat Moraga and, uh, and he clearly should have. But yeah, just shit like that always, always feels good when you get lucky. Oh really yeah. Really lucky. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it gives, I, how many, how many times have I yelled at the TV just calling people pieces of shit? How you're fucking, how are you even losing these fucking pieces of shit? You're, you know, just like, just going off, like, totally like, I'm something you don't want your mother to see. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you, I hope you die! <laughs> Get raped, bitch! Or like, I'm like, like, somebody texted me the other day about, what, what's up with the Vikings when they're getting their ass kicked? And I said, yeah, I hope their fucking plane crashes. <laughs> like shit like that. You know, like stuff you shouldn't say, but like you're so heated. Sports can do that to you, man. Sports, I feel like brings the best and the worst out of people. But the one thing I'll say is it gets you to be passionate about stuff, even not just your own teams. Like, yeah. Like with fantasy football, you care about every player, not just your own team. Cause if you just only pick your own team players, you're going to lose. So you have yeah. to like start caring about other teams. So it's, it's important. Um, and I think same thing happens with sports betting. I mean, if you want to be good at it, you can't just bet your favorite team. I mean, you're going to bet your favorite team. People do it all the time, like the real casuals. But if you want to be a long-term successful, you have to, uh, bet and research and care about every team. So it gets Bro, people I, to care I, a lot more. I won a couple of parlays this year betting against Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I, when it comes to making money and, and making the best decision for me financially, I don't have any sort of loyalty <laughs> to my favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things where like the season was over for Florida. So why the, what, you know what I mean? I, I don't care. I'm trying to make a couple grand so I can stick it in the bank and, you know, help me out financially. I don't, I don't care about Florida getting their fifth win. You know what I mean? Like, gives a fuck. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm betting. I bet a lot of unders with Florida because their offense was so bad. But I definitely bet. I, I bet against them on the spread a couple times. And one, one from it. But uh, yeah, I don't have loyalty when it comes to sports. And if I'm gambling, it's like to me, it's like unless it's a Super Bowl, I I would have taken. I would have. 
I would have wanted to lose if I bet like against Minnesota and they're in the Super Bowl and they won it because that'd be amazing because I've been waiting my whole life for a Minnesota Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But say it's like seventh game of the season. I have no problem rooting against the Vikings if it means I'm going to win $5,000 on a parlay. Because at the end of the day, it's just football, but that money will help me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I know I don't care. People may disagree that have a higher moral than me, but I have I don't have a whole lot of morals when it comes to sports in in particular. So outside of being a father, I don't have a whole lot of morals when it comes to people's perception on what should be right. <laughs> no, I take I'm just fucking around. I have yeah. more morals than that, but I'm talking sports. In yeah, general. in general. Yeah. So. Okay, well, I think that takes us to just our last thing, just a little bit on the UFC event this weekend. They they usually try to pull out all the stops when they have pay-per-views or, like, their big free Fox events. But personally, I think this is one of the weakest Fox shows they've ever put out. It's uh, UFC on Fox 27, the 27th time they've had a free show on a big network Fox. And uh, the main event is a rematch between Derek Brunson, the guy that got knocked out in that story I was telling and yeah. uh, Jacare Souza, a veteran uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler. So uh, the first time they fought, uh, I believe Jacare knocked him out in 30 seconds, and that was five years ago. But since then, Brunson has actually had a lot of success. Like, he's picked up quality wins. He, he just beat Lyoto Machida in his last fight, knocked his ass out. So uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a good fighter now, and, and Jacare is 36 years old. So I actually could be a different give, Could be a different I, fight. I, I don't give a shit at all about this, um, the main <laughs> event. I do, however, am very interested in Gregor Gillespie. Yes. Um, because, uh, as you know, I know pretty much everything there is to know about college wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he was a national I, champ. He was a national champ. I went, he won it in, in, up in Auburn Hills in Michigan. And I went there with my brother and I watched that. Um, so when I was growing up, Dustin Schlater, so a lot of people that are listening to this that love love uh, college wrestling and high school wrestling know him. Uh, he started off his college career as a true freshman national champ for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And he's, he lost one match that entire year, and that was to another fellow Ohioan that went to Central Michigan named Mark DeSalvo. But other than that, uh, Dustin, he avenged that loss. He, he ran through his entire freshman year, and he won a national title. So his sophomore year, he was heavily favored to win it again. And uh, he had a little bit of a knee injury, but he made it unscathed through the entire NCAA, NCAA season, which he's in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, you know, I hate the Big Ten in most sports, but wrestling, it's just unbelievably better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went undefeated all the way in, went, got the one seed in the NCAA tournament, gets to the semis, and he wrestles Gregor. And... I didn't know a whole lot about him. I know he was a true freshman All-American the year before, and he was tough, but Dustin beat him like two or three times before that. And he beat him. He beat Dustin Schlater. He, you know, he, he killed the giant. And it really kind of sent Dustin's career kind of like in a little tailspin. He didn't, he never regained form. I think he was injured a lot. He had bad knee and stuff. But yeah, and I ended up watching Gregor win, win that national title that year. So I saw him win that. He never won another one. That was his sophomore year. But he he's a four time NCAA All American for Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. He's like their he has their most career wins. Um, yeah, he's tough. He's a tough kid, and uh, he's uh, he's undefeated. 
He's 10 and 0, and I love undefeated fighters. I fucking hate people that lose. Yeah. I can't stand losers. <laughs> like, everybody hates Mayweather. I love him because he never loses. To me, you lose once, you're fucking dead to me. And I'll tell you <laughs> what, Edinburgh has actually produced a lot of good UFC fighters or good MMA fighters, believe it or not. Uh, Josh Koscheck came from Edinburgh, if you remember, yeah. you were one of the original yeah. Ultimate Fighters and, uh, I watched you know, him up, in the national title too. Yeah, ended up working his way up to, uh, fighting for the title, um, before he pretty much called it a career. And then, uh, there's a kid named Chris Honeycutt that's in Bellator. That's, hey, dude, only, he's Honeycutt, really Honeycutt is from, uh, St. Ed's High School mm-hmm. in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's another Edinburgh kid. And then now Gillespie. And is, Gillespie, is, is Honeycutt undefeated? Uh, he lost once. Uh, he got, Flash knocked out randomly, and uh, but other than that, he's been you know beast. So I think that was kind of a flukish type of thing. Yeah. But, um, but Gillespie has been the truth. I mean, this guy—he's got the wrestling, he's got the power, he's got everything. And and this is a showcase fight. If you know anything about the guy he's fighting, Jordan Rinaldi, he's yeah. basically a Gillespie light. He doesn't have as much power as Gillespie. He's not as good of a wrestler as Gillespie, but he's a wrestling focused guy and he's got decent submissions. I mean, Gillespie should eat his lunch. I mean, this is a showcase fight for Gillespie big time. So if you, if you're excited about Gregor Gillespie, this is the fight to tune into because I expect he makes absolute mincemeat out of Jordan Rinaldi. I mean, he's, let me check the betting odds because I think Gillespie is a monster favorite. Um, so let me check. Yeah, I mean, Gillespie should be a monster favorite. Minus five seventy. So damn, got to risk five hundred seventy bucks yeah. to profit a hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it might be worth it. <laughs> so it looks like uh, he's got like looks like uh, Gillespie's he got some power. He got some submissions in there. Decisions. Look at it. he's gone distance a couple times. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited for him to fight because I love when wrestlers tear shit up like this. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a guy to get excited about. There's one other person I would recommend you check out and that's Mirsad Bektik. He's fighting in one of the last fights on the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1. Um, he just got his first loss, um, in his last fight and it was a total fluke thing. I mean, he was destroying Darren Elkins, one of the toughest featherweights on the roster. And after two rounds, he was up like, Usually they score him 10 to 9 on who wins a round, but he had won like 10-8, 10-8. I mean, he was destroying Darren Elkins. And then he got a little tired and Elkins landed like a, a punch and rocked him and finished the fight out of nowhere in the third round. Miracle comeback. So, um, you know, I think Mirsad Bektik's going to be out for blood against this poor guy named Godofredo Pepe that is just being fed like a lamb to the slaughter. So <laughs> highly recommend checking out Mirsad Bektik. I still think the the kid, as long as he can protect his chin, is has a bright future in the featherweight division. So yeah, those are the two ones I, I I'm recommending people check out. I mean, they're both huge favorites. Bektik's actually a bigger favorite than Gillespie. He's minus six hundred. <laughs> Damn. So uh, yeah. I know that I'm just recommending you watch squash matches, but I mean these guys are legit talents and they deserve to have, be heavy favorites. <laughs> cool, man. Well. That sounds good. I mean, we want to wrap this up. Yeah, let's uh sneak in a couple Hems gems if you're down for it. Yeah, um, that's that's on you, man. Okay. Uh first off, if you haven't watched it, this is on Netflix. It is 
bright. It's that Will Smith movie. Um, I was very interested. It's, it's basically like if, uh, Lord of the Rings had happened and then, uh, they'd made it to modern times so that <laughs> there were still orcs and elves and unicorns and centaurs and humans and they're all living together. And basically that's how people see races now instead of like black and white and Chinese and shit. Well, there's like the elven district and it's, everybody's driving Lamborghinis in LA. And then the orcs are like more, uh, you know, like how they treat, uh, black people almost. Um, cause, because back in the day they sided with the dark Lord or something. That's, that's, that's why people treat him poorly. Um, and Will Smith is partnering with the first ever orc police officer because most orcs yeah. are in crime and shit. So it's just a really interesting, uh, dynamic and they find like a magic wand that only a person that, uh, is a bright is able to use somebody that can use magic. And the only way you can find out if you're a bright or not is by touching the wand. But if you're not a bright, you explode. And if, but if you nice. are able to use it, you can like literally grant wishes with this thing. So it's a huge deal. So they find the wand and then they've got to like def- protect it because everybody's coming for it. Uh, so I mean, it, it's just a really unique, uh, movie concept. It's a very interesting universe, uh, that they've created and there's a lot of room to explore it. So I highly recommend checking it out. I mean, I, it's, it's not without its flaws. Uh, the pacing and stuff can be a little off, but I mean, it's just an extremely interesting concept that I think is definitely worth, uh, multiple sequels just because of all the shit they could do with it. So I thought it was really cool and it was nice. great acting from the orc dude. Uh, I forget his name, but, uh, uh, who it was, but I mean, he steals the show. He does a really good job. Nice. So bright. And then, uh, if there's anything else, um, yeah, there is something else. Oh. You know who I really want to fuck? I want to fuck Joy Taylor. Do you know who Joy Taylor is? No. I'm looking, I'm looking at her right now and she is fat, uh, Fox Sports. She's a hot ass analyst that works for Fox Sports. I really want to pound her. I want to take her to pound town. I'm looking at her right now and I'm, she is, I really want to bang her. So I'm just thought I'd throw that out there. That, that's not really a gem. <laughs> <laughs> She's a gem and I want to give her my gems. <laughs> All right, oh, dude. God. Well, okay. that'd be random. That that's random enough. That's a good way to go out, I think. <laughs> so, all yeah. right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you can check us out on our Facebook page at Odds Podcast, our YouTube channel, um, our SoundCloud channel. Uh, we do have a Twitter, but we don't really use it. Um, but yeah, check us out in all avenues. We'll be uploading this to the Blog Talk Radio channel as well. Um, in place of the silent episode that was about 10 minutes long and awkward that's there right now. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. And Brandon, and, yeah. give some shout outs to Mr. Belly Up Sports as well. Yeah. Belly Up Sports, uh, at Belly Up Sports Twitter, Belly Up Sports dot com, Belly Up Sports for Facebook. Um, yeah, we're, we'll, we got a lot of awesome content. I got some blogs going to be coming out. So, we got, we got, we're going to be adding some new things. So we're really excited. So keep checking that out. Bellyupsports.com. Get, get the clicks coming guys. And, uh, you know, we'll get you content and we'll, you know, we got a lot of good things. We got a lot of good things starting up. So appreciate you guys' support. We love you. And, uh, 
Take it away, Brian. Yeah, get Rick rolled, motherfuckers. 